1: Block Talk
0: Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call is 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. Send messages to the show on Twitter at go 4 G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. Tony has a, a skills camp coming up. So we're going to talk to Tony about that. Talk to Tony about his rehab from his ACL injury. And we're going to talk about the right now. And then, you know, they got the young rookie Jalo Okafor doing some big things in summer camp, summer, summer league, I should say. But we're going to talk to Tony about that also. One star of Jurassic World, former NFL player, Isaac Keyes will be joining us. And we're going to talk to Isaac about Jurassic World. Also, I'm going to get his thoughts on uh, Jason Pierre-Paul in that particular situation. So we're going to get his thoughts on that as well. A lot of great things going on in the world of sports right now. And, And no more. Than, than what we've seen with DeAndre Jordan. How about DeAndre Jordan? We thought last week Dallas Mavericks were a team that was going to be a team that you could put in the uh, title conversation in the Western Conference. I mean last week the Mavericks you know Chandler Parsons was 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 being championed as his great recruiter. Uh, you know obviously uh, you know he was out there recruiting DeAndre Jordan. Last week, Chris Paul was a bad teammate. Uh, You know, him and DeAndre Jordan apparently didn't get along. So last week, he was a bad teammate. And so all these things. and, And then last week, the Clippers seemingly had a gaping hole in the middle at the five spot at the center position. And then, lo and behold, stuff started to happen. Lo and behold... Well, Chris Paul, JJ Redick, Doc Rivers, and the gang together. And in the process of getting together, they found a way to lure G.I. Jordan back. He's back. Back in the fold. And everything is all good. In all good. JJ Reddick talked about it today in an interview with Grant and Zach Lowe. He, he said, you know, Reddick lived uh, three hours away. Three hours away. So it was a three-hour drive. JJ Reddick was in Austin, three-hour drive to Houston to get to DeAndre Jordan to convince Andre Jordan along with Blake Griffin. And the rest of the boys – in order to convince DeAndre Jordan to come back to Clipperland. And you know, according to JJ Reddick, uh, you know, at at DeAndre Jordan's house, they were they were playing spades and and you know, having a good old time. Having a good old time. Apparently it has some canes chicken, never had it, but apparently it's good. And you know, Chris Paul, Paul Pierce, the truth. I guess that's why they brought him there. He's the truth, and, and you know DeAndre Jordan was there with all the boys, and he talked him back into it. They talked DeAndre back into staying. You know Chandler Parsons was this this guy that that you know he was a master recruiter. He, he, he you know he could run a college program the way we're talking about him. He he could bring in the best talent the way we were talking about him. I mean, it was, it, this guy was an amazing recruiter. And he had some interesting things to say about DeAndre Jordan. We'll get to that. But apparently, Mark Cuban talked about it as well. And, and Mark Cuban, you know, according to Chris Broussard and his tweet, well, Mark Cuban was, was, was texting and, and trying to get a hold of, of, of DeAndre Jordan. We found out that Chris Broussard's sources were not true. Well, anyway, J.J. Reddick, you know, apparently, uh, you know, he got a – Jordan got a text from Mark Cuban, and DeAndre Jordan said, you know what, I'm on a date. And that date was with Blake Griffin. That date was with Chris Paul. That date was with J.J. Reddick. That date was with the truth, Paul Pierce. And so – You know, obviously, there's a a lot of different things here going on. You know, obviously, you you, want to always be a man of your word. But at the end of the day, you know, should he have, you know, been – should he have texted Mark Cuban and told him what was going down? Maybe. Did he have to? Not necessarily. Would it have been nice? Sure. But he didn't. The reality is he didn't do it. And the reality is now the Mavericks, a team that many were saying now was in contention in terms of winning the Western Conference, is a team now trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. They lost Tyson Taylor to the Phoenix Suns. But he, and, and here's – you know, we, we could talk about loyalty and and, and you know, but – Owners are not necessarily loyal to players. I mean, reality is Mark Cuban, even who would have signed DeAndre Jordan, at some point can go to DeAndre Jordan, or don't even have to go to DeAndre Jordan and make a trade. I mean, he could trade him. I mean, players are traded all the time. Players are, are, are sent here, there, everywhere, and sent to places they don't necessarily want to go. Chris Webber didn't want to go to Sacramento when he was traded by the Washington Wizards many moves ago. I mean, it, you, you've seen it all over history in sports. Guys not wanting to go places, but are forced to go to places because of trades. That's reality. So you look at this situation. You could say, well, here's the thing. I believe DeAndre Jordan should have reached out to Mark Cuban, Chandler Parsons, and and told him exactly what he was feeling. Because I don't think anybody can be angry or, or, or judge DeAndre Jordan or begrudge DeAndre Jordan because, look, the reality is four years, you know, you're signing a contract for four years, and you're saying, I'm going to be in such and such place for four years, whether that's Dallas or whether that's L.A. That's reality. And so this is always a difficult decision. And in the process of making this difficult decisions, you sometimes go right. You sometimes go left. You sometimes go up. You sometimes go. Down, you sometimes go west. You sometimes go east. You sometimes go north. You sometimes go south, and then ultimately, you you eventually end up east. I mean, because the thing is, when you look at that difficult decision, where you're going to play, where you're going to work, essentially. I mean, we can say play, but it's work. It's their job. It's how they make their money. Their money is made by playing basketball. And so with that being said, it's their job and the decision and you wanna make the best possible decision. You don't wanna regret any decision, especially a major decision like this. And so we can all criticize DeAndre Jordan. I think it's fair. And I think we can all say at the end of the day, even with criticizing him, you can't really judge him. You can't begrudge him because he has to make – he has to live with the decision. He has to live the life that he chose. He has to live and play in the city that he chose. And here's the thing about sports. When you're a free agent, you have the opportunity – to choose, and pick and choose, where you want to be. That is the right that you have as a player when you become a free agent. You have a right to to figure out where you want to go. And anybody can't begrudge, you can't be mad at that, because at the end of the day, reality is tomorrow. If they don't want you, they trade you. And when they trade you, you may not like where you go. That's real. That, that, that's that's the, as real as it gets. So you could be mad at DeAndre Jordan. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of Dallas Mavericks fans mad at DeAndre Jordan. Heck, if I was a Dallas Maverick, Maverick fan, I, I would understand but I would be mad as well because, you know, one week we were saying we were a contender in a Western conference. And next week we're talking about whether or not we'll actually make the playoffs. Well, some news today may help that. Their, their journey to making the playoffs, the Mavericks, uh, you know, Darren Williams, he was a uh, the, the buy, secured a buyout from the New York Brooklyn Nets. He's expected to sign with the Dallas Mavericks. He's going home. LeBron went home. Why can't he go home, Darren Williams? And Darren Williams is going home. Two years, $10 million. He's going back to home. And guess what? In the midst of going back home, Darren Williams, uh, the Nets bought him out for forty-three million. Forty-three million. Forty-three. I'm sorry. Check that. Of out of the forty-three, he was owed forty-three million on the contract, and the Nets will actually give him twenty-seven point five million dollars, and then he'll make ten million from Dallas in two seasons. So that's thirty-seven million. So he's missing out on six million. But I guess what is six million if you have the opportunity? to play where you want to be and play where you want to play. And here's the thing. And we're going to get to David West uh, in a moment because he made a decision and left some money on the table. So but we're good to David West. But for Darren Williams, you know, he went to – remember, here's the thing with Darren Williams. you remember at the time when when we, we talked about Darren Williams and, and Chris Paul and – Darren Williams being an upper echelon point guard and you know him and Chris Paul back and forth. Who was better? Well, you know, we always had the conversation. Who was better, Paul or, or Darren Williams? Now we look at Darren Williams, and, and you know, Darren Williams was losing time to Jared Jack. I mean, I don't think we've ever would ever would have thought that. You know, it's been, you know, you look at it, his conditioning may not have been the best over the years. And just maybe he wasn't that guy. That it we thought it was, but also could be a situation system. And that Utah system really seemed to fit Darren Williams pretty well. Now, you know, as he went off and played in other systems with the Nets, maybe those systems didn't fit his skill set. And and the numbers as soon as he left Utah pretty much started to plump. I mean You look at his numbers with the Jazz, especially uh, from 2010 to 2012, uh, he spent uh, 2010, 2011 with the Jazz, 21 points a game, nine assists. And then the following season, 11 and 12, uh, he spent part with the Jazz. He spent part with the Jazz and spent also part with the Brooklyn, New Jersey Nets at the time. And, you know, he was 21 and eight. And then the numbers started to drop. And then his, you know, his his numbers dropped, and the the thought of Darren Williams in terms of him being a franchise caliber guy changed. And at one point, we thought of Darren Williams as a franchise caliber point guard. You know, one of the best, top five point guard in this league. We, that's what we thought about Darren Williams. We don't think about that. We don't think that about Darren Williams now. Not at all. Not at all. But Darren Williams now has an opportunity going off, going home. Thirty-one years old now. I, I think a better opportunity to win in Dallas. You know, I, I well maybe check that because Eastern Conference, Western Conference. We all know the Western Conference is a lot tougher than the Eastern Conference, but Dallas, they can use a point guard for sure. You know, they tried Rondo, and that experiment, that experiment failed miserably. But you just look at the Western Conference. Utah, I think, it's going to be better. We'll see what the Lakers do. The Kings should be interesting what they'll do under George Carl. First him and DeMarcus Cousins got to get on the same page. But you look at the Phoenix Suns, obviously a team, you know, a very good basketball team, as many a couple seasons ago. We'll see if they can take that next step, adding a Tyson Chandler, re-signing a Brandon Knight. I mean, we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, hopefully Eric Bledsoe can be healthy throughout the season. He had some issues with health last season. But hopefully the Phoenix Suns, you know, maybe they can take that next step. And so you, you look at it, and maybe he had a better chance of, of winning in Brooklyn, but with Dallas, he has an opportunity to come home. And maybe with Tyson Chandler there, who brings a level of toughness, Jeff Hornacek, who's done a marvelous job with that basketball team, maybe they can come together and, and ultimately uh, you know, make the playoffs next season, but it's a it's a tall order. It's a tall task to win in the Western Conference. It, it really is. It's not easy. It's hard. And, and so, you look at the moves now, and and I said last week, I said last week, and at the time, Lamarcus Le- Aldridge was still on play. DeAndre Jordan, I guess he was he was off to Dallas at that point. But uh, we saw moves and that teams made, and at that point, even with those moves, you didn't think the balance of power switched any way, shape, or form in the National Basketball Association. The, the balance of power, to me, was still the same. Cleveland out in the East and out in the West, GSW, OKC, you know, and even San Antonio, even before they made that move for Lamarcus Aldridge. But ultimately, now with Lamarcus Aldridge in the fold with the San Antonio Spurs, obviously the San Antonio Spurs are a team that you have to say is one of the favorites in the Western Conference. And, and you look at the teams in the Western Conference, and you say, after free agency, after the draft, you know who, in your mind, are teams that are championship caliber? Portland. Was a team that was a got the fourth spot last season, but they struggled down the stretch mightily. Had some injuries as well. West Matthews was big. That was a big injury. But you know they had injury issues. But ultimately, you know Portland with the loss of Aldridge, you have to pull them out of the playoff mix. Um, so in terms of the teams, their championship caliber, I think got West GSW Golden State Warriors bringing back Draymond Green, which is huge. Houston Rockets, who had the number two seed, who was the number two seed last season, I think they're still there. They're still there, a team that, you know, with the re of Patrick Beverly, I think they really miss what he brought to the table in terms of his defensive energy. And, you know, obviously he could have helped in, in trying to corral and control Steph Curry. The Clippers, I still think they're there. I mean, they, they were a 3-1 series league against the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they beat the Spurs in the first round, but a huge 3-1 league against the Houston Rockets and, and, a, and a game, in a series, I should say. They should have won, what, game, was that game five, where they were up by, like, 20 points, and then Houston went on a crazy run, ultimately won that game and just won the rest of the series. Was that game six, excuse me? And, and they just went through and just won game seven. In their building, and it ultimately went on. But the Clippers, I still think are formidable. I think you know Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and now bring it back DeAndre Jordan. Keeping him is huge, and I think they're still there. Memphis, you I know, mean, Memphis Grizzlies are, are a team. Obviously, Marcus Gasol is back, and that's that's obviously huge. But that's not unexpected. But Gasol is back. You know, Matt Barnes is in the mix. You still have Zebo, Zach Randolph. Brandon Wright also is an addition that helps. So go goal what they have in Jeff Green. Obviously, you know, you, you got to see in terms of the wing players and if their wing players are going to be good enough to put this team over. Wings. Guys that can get to the basket. Guys, guys that can score off the dribble. Make their own shots. But that's huge. Memphis, I still think, is there. It's still going to be there with those bigs. And, and, and reality is Mike Conley, health. he wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy. And, and not having him at 100% was huge, was huge against the Golden State Warriors, GSW. But anyway, then you have, you know, San Antonio, LaMarcus Aldridge. Tim Duncan's still in the mix. Danny Green is back. Kawhi Leonard is back. And how about Tim Duncan? You know, taking a serious haircut. You know, two years, $10 million. I guess to him, winning is what matters to him. Well, And, and I'm not saying for the other guys that, you know, want the max money. You know, guys like uh, LeBron James who took max money or Kobe Bryant who took max money a couple years ago. I'm not saying those guys don't want to win, but those guys also want to make a little scratch as well. Can't blame them. Can't knock them. But you look at San Antonio; they're still formidable. Ginobili, don't get the gang is back. The gang is back, and with the addition of the gang, you have a LaMarcus Aldridge. You're not going to be able to go small against that GSW. You're just not going to be able to, and so. San Antonio, still there. The Pelicans, Alvin Gentry in the mix, new coach. On the surface, seems maybe a lateral move, coaching-wise. But Alvin Gentry apparently was very instrumental and you know with Golden State and helping that ball club get to the NBA Finals and is helping install a system, offensive system, that was effective for Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green and the rest of those boys. But, you know, maybe he could do the same with the Pelicans. But we'll see. OKC. Okay, obviously, OKC. Okay, their season was a byproduct of injuries. Durant. Westbrook. It started out Durant. Then it went to Westbrook. Then went back to Durant again. And so this was a team, obviously, if they were healthy last season, if they're healthy next season, their championship caliber, championship caliber, and so with that being said, with now you know in en- in this Cantner Cantner, a big who who came from Utah and gave and played well for OKC, played very well for OKC, he's got max money offer from Portland Trailblazers. At this point, OKC is expected to match. They're going to match. They're going to match it. And so now in matching it, they bring back There's big. They bring the big back that, you know, was effective for them, very effective for him, and, you know, has some uh, good games for them and played well for OKC. But now, you know, the gang is back. And what I mean by the gang, what I mean by the gang, that gang is this, Westbrook, Durant, and Serge Ibaka. And so now you have the gang back. To, in addition to the gang, you have Enos Cantor. In addition to the gang, you have Kyle Singler, who we're going to have on the show next week, who re up the guy who can stroke it. You know, you, you have that, which helps. So this is a team in OKC that, when healthy, very formidable. When healthy, obviously a favorite. Mitch McGarry gave them pretty good minutes. You know, Anthony Morrill, guy who can stroke it. Deion Waiters also. DJ Augustine off the bench. You still have Steven Adams as well. So this is a team that, you know, when healthy, obviously is a favorite. And, and I was so... Looking forward to, because at the time you you, you thought OKC would get that A spot. Kevin Durant was coming back. You thought he was going to be healthy. Westbrook was obviously rolling, doing big things. You thought both of those guys were going to be together, and obviously some of the moves that they made that were effective and and kept them going, kept the kept the ship moving. You thought now with all the additions and Cantner, Augustine, Singler, Deion Waiters. In addition to what they had, you thought I thought they were gonna give Golden State all they could handle. All they could handle. Fortunately for Golden State, Kevin Durant and that foot never got right in 2014-2015. Fortunately for them, they were able to avoid OKC and they got the Pelicans. And I I, I say this all the time and have said this about the Golden State Warriors run, and this is not a knock on the Golden State Warrior run. Not a knock at all. Because the Golden State Warriors got what they deserved in terms of winning an NBA title. They got what they deserved. And this is not a knock on GSW. At all. But Golden State Warriors were very fortunate. You know, very fortunate that... Kevin Durant and Westbrook weren't healthy. Very fortunate that Patrick Beverly and Houston Rockets were completely healthy. You could also argue that they were very fortunate they avoided the Spurs and the Clippers. Teams with very good bigs. But it is what it is. And also, when it came to the second round, Mike Conley not 100%. And so they, they, avoided, they, they had that as well. But health, 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 health health, health. I can't repeat it much more. Health, 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 and can't emphasize it much more. Health, 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 health. You need it. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, any sport, you have health on your side that helps to run. Conversely, we've seen it where, where just bad luck strikes, health goes against you. And In the midst of health going against you, what you thought was going to be a championship year turns into something else. It just happens. Health is so important. If you have it, you're in a good spot. If you don't, you're in trouble, bottom line. Golden State was healthy. That's why they have a championship on their side. So, uh, you know, we we, we got. JJ, or got part of JJ Reddick's, uh, uh, his side of the story. And what happened? Well, apparently, you know, they, they were playing, like we said, playing spades. You know, they were whining. They were dining. And they were trying to do whatever they could, you know, emoji this, emoji that, doing whatever they could to convince JJ Reddick, not JJ Reddick, to convince DeAndre Jordan to say no to the clip, to the Mavericks which he went he already said yes. And they wanted him to say yes to the Clippers. And apparently Chris Porter to reports, Chris Paul, and, you know, it was emotional in talking to uh, DeAndre Jordan, trying to, you know, mend fences with him. Apparently there was, like we said, there was talk that they had beef; They weren't on the best of t- uh, terms. And, you know, Griffin, Blake Griffin, you know, uh, uh, tweeting out pictures. Chairs being, you know, next to the door of DeAndre Jordan, so on and so forth. And so, JJ Reddick said, you know, at, when he when he left, and he left early in the evening. And he, when he left, he had figured at that point DeAndre Jordan was committed to coming back to the Clippers. But Redick said he departed and left early that evening uh, with his wife. They packed for a trip and. I guess at that point he was okay. He was okay. And J.J. Reddick went on to say it was important obviously that they were able to get back and bring back DeAndre Jordan. It was critical. Huge. Absolutely huge. And so now the gang is back and they're Happy times in Clipperland. When at one point last week, it was sad times in Clipperland, and everybody in Clipperland was trying to figure out what the heck are they going to do, how the heck are they going to replace DeAndre Jordan, what are they going to do to to replace him, how, what, who? But ultimately, it worked out. Look at LaMarcus Aldridge. As we go through, um, we're going to get Chandler Parsons' side of things. Also, you get Mark Cuban's side of things. Mark Cuban has some comments today. So we're going to get his side of things as well. But LaMarcus Aldridge now, he was introduced to the Spurs, introduced by the Spurs. And he said, quote, when you're making such a big decision, you're never going to be 100% right away. Leaving an organization I was for nine years, where I had roots and I embedded in their history, and I'm embedded in their history, excuse me, it is never easy to leave. There were moments I did waver because I was leaving and going to something new, talking to RC Moore, talking to Pop Moore. Those guys made me feel comfortable. They made me feel like home. They made me feel safe to take the leap of faith that so far I've been fine with. And, and Marcus, he, he talked about. It. He said, you know, he went back and forth. Went back and forth. But he said as he went to bed, went to sleep, on July 3rd, he knew that he was it was certain that he would go back. Well, not go back, but go to San Antonio. So we'll see if it works out for obviously it's, it's a great decision for him. Great situation for him. He would only say quote where I even thought San Antonio was my first option. I called Portland and told him I wasn't coming back. I went to sleep that night thinking I was going to be a Spur. When I woke up in the morning, I still felt comfortable with it. Didn't freak out in the middle of the night. Didn't wake up screaming no, I ended up sticking with it and he. he He's no DeAndre Jordan. He, he makes a decision. And he's stuck with the decision. And now he's with the Spurs. Now he's with the Spurs. And if you're San Antonio, with Kawhi Leonard there, with, with Marcus Aldridge there, with that organization, with Pop and R.C. Buford there, and with Tim Duncan, You know, maybe two more years. You know, you still have Parker, Ginobili, who might give you a year or two more. Kawhi Leonard, you got, you re up with Danny Green, which is also huge. You know, a guy who's perfect in that Spurs system. You shoot the ball. Obviously, Ginobili, 37. You you know, you got a couple more years, maybe a year, maybe two of, of, of Ginobili. Maybe two with Duncan, and then Tony Parker. You know, a guy who's still going to be there. He's 33, so you might even get three or four with Tony Parker. So you still, even when Duncan calls it quits and Ginobili calls it quits, you'll still have Tony Parker there, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge, and you'll have, I guess, a, a second, you know, a 20. Well, a 21st century version. Well, you I guess Duncan, all those guys were in the 21st century. But I guess a 20-teen uh, version into 2020, uh, you know, Spurs Part 2. You know, uh, uh, a new big three in San Antonio. And Parker, when Parker goes on, and, you know, obviously he's 33, still has, still has some game in him, you know, still has youth. Not youth on the side per se, but he still is young enough to play. He's still playing good basketball. So you'll have him, Aldridge, and, of course, Kawhi Leonard. And then, you know, with the way this – the Spurs, they've always scouted well. They've always drafted well and always put themselves in position to be successful. They've always put themselves in position – to be successful. And, it you know, it's, it's just – it's one thing to get lucky, you know, and, and maybe getting lucky was when David Robinson got injured that in particular year, it was a 96-97 season, and his injuries and ultimately him not coming back and, you know, having struggled – that whole team having struggles with well, that luck begot Tim Duncan. And with Tim Duncan, obviously, you've got five championships. You have an anchor, a guy in the middle who anchors your roster, anchors your team. And and you're and it's one of the reasons that Pop is considered a great coach. Not to say he wouldn't have been, but it's one of the reasons he's considered a great coach because he got Tim Duncan. It helps. Phil Jackson had help and, and with Jordan and Pippen, Shaq and Kobe. It helps. Players help. Players most definitely help. And so you look at the San Antonio Spurs and how locked and loaded they're going to be for the next few years. Pop is committed to saying, what, four more years possibly, if not longer. One of the greatest coaches in basketball. Still got one of the greatest bigs in basketball who can still get it done. You know, still have an up-and-coming player and Kawhi Leonard. Now you get one of the better power forwards in the game of LaMarcus Aldridge, still have one of the better point guards at uh, Tony Parker. So you still are very healthy and in a very good shape in San Antonio. You're in very good shape. And that's, that's huge. That's absolutely huge to, to be in that position to be in a position now with with the players that you have. You're in position now to continue on with the tradition of winning in San Antonio. The rich just got a little richer. The rich just got a little richer with the move of LaMarcus Aldridge going to the San Antonio Spurs. Congratulations to him, because he got paid. Congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs. Life is good in San Antonio. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Philadelphia 76ers guard, Tony Roten. You're listening to Go For It on the Block Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but it doesn't fit. mean
1: anything in the playoffs
0: time. when the playoffs time, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything.
1: I uh, was trying to throw you. Know
0: I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. Ah! We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I, I just don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on now. Come <laughs> on now. That's early. That's not right. That's, that
1: right. <laughs> That's called brother.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> And we're back, go for it, BlockTalkRadio.com. Paul Gann here. The Philadelphia 76ers last season, it was a struggle in Philadelphia. It has been a struggle the past couple seasons in Philadelphia, but the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, winning reality is not a priority for them today. Building a team that can possibly be a contender, building a team that can possibly win a championship, getting pieces together, putting pieces together, that could lead to a championship is the goal of the Philadelphia 76ers right now. And and so Jaleel Okafor putting up some decent numbers, playing solid, playing well in summer league. And um, Nellis Noel, obviously you have him who who played well down the stretch of the season. Questions about Joel Embiid, we'll see. But the Sixers have assets. Nick Stagg, Stauskas, excuse me. Who, who they got the trade with Sacramento. He was a lottery pick last season. Maybe a change of scenery will do good. Let's bring him in now, guard for the Philadelphia 76ers, Tony Roten. Tony, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well. Thanks for joining us.
2: Appreciate it. My pleasure.
0: Let me ask you this now. Uh, Jaleel Okafor, third pick in the 2015 NBA draft. Uh, out in Summer League, off to a pretty decent start. Have you been watching
2: him at all? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, I'm watching all of his games, and, you know, especially his opener, you know, 20-9. He's just, you know, we're just a, a great big man, with huge hands who can catch and looking forward to playing with him. You know, um, it's just some like any point guard's dream. So, you know, um, I've been watching all his games and going to continue to watch Summer League and, you know, look forward to the season.
0: Playing with a big like Okafor, it's got to have you working on that outside jumper because if he is dominant down low, definitely going to be a lot of open shots for you.
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely, you know, and just different reads and, you know, having a, you know, not not that we haven't had any, you know, crazy, like, throwing into the post, you know. Um, but, you know, Okafor is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, you know, going down to him postman, you know, in his draft, so... You know, they're definitely going to draw a lot of double teams, and, you know, we're looking forward to that. And, you know, we're working out as if this, you know, it's already going to be coming. So, you know, I've been working every day in the gym, and it's going to be fun this season.
0: Now, you look at this, your Sixers, they made a move also uh, during this free agency, uh, adding Jason Thompson, Carl Landry, and last year's lottery pick Nick Stauskas uh, from the Sacramento Kings. Your thoughts on that trade?
2: Oh, you know, um, I like the you know, because Nick—he's a you know very good shooter, like you said. When lottery pick is the reason why we're lottery pick, and, you know, I follow him a lot, you know, um, in, in college, you know, so I liked his swag, you know, the way he carried himself, you know, being very confident. You know, I liked his swag a lot. And with the Landry's and Thompson, you know, bringing them in, you know, we're we're a very young team. You know, me being only twenty-two years old, I was pretty much the on the team. So right. You know, bringing them two guys in, you know, it's a lot. It's a, it's gonna be a big help for us on and off the court. You know, you know, for their veteran, and you know, show us the ropes. So, you know, I'm looking forward to playing with all them guys.
0: We're talking the 76ers guard Tony Roten, and we we talked about uh, Jahlil Okafor. Sixers made him in the uh, the third pick in the 2015 NBA draft. You also got Nelson Noel. You also have Joel Embiid. Too many big guys out there in Philly.
2: No, you can never be too many big guys. I feel like because. Uh, you know, nowadays, they're hard to come by, and, you know, we're blessed with three young, very good prospects, and, you know, um, and Nelson Noel, you know, with him playing a four, he, you know, he's more mobile, you know what I'm saying, and he's stepping out and working on his mid-range, and, you know, you got Joel Embiid and Oakford, you know, who are just dominant, you know, down down low, so it's very fun, man, It's and another thing is just great competition. You know, I feel like a lot of guys play a lot better when you know when things are competitive. You know, we are very young, so you know I feel like just definitely can't have too many big men. I just feel like you know, um, in due time it's going to be something special.
0: Now you talked about Joel and Bead. We we all know the situation with his foot. There's a lot of uncertainty with Joel and Bead. Have you heard anything? Have you talked to Joel?
2: Um, I talk to Joel every day. You know, but. Okay. You know, with you know with basketball and stuff like that, we kind of stay away from that. You know, we just like, you know, we're young, so we like to have fun and talk about other things, you know, about video games and other things, just just basketball, you know, because that's not, that doesn't define us, you know, we love it, but, you know, basketball is so serious that sometimes you lose track of, you know, our other life, so, you know, when I'm talking to Joe, it's, it's I'm never usually just talking about basketball or, you know, where's your... You know, when he come back this year, this and that, you know what I'm saying? I try to stay away from that because I know a lot of people are always coming like that. But I can tell you, regardless, he's in great spirits. and He's been looking great playing. And, you know, we're just going to see where, see where it takes us. So do
0: you expect to see him playing this year?
2: I mean, I would hope so, you know, but that's not my job to to expect something or to, to know something, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm not the doctor. I don't really know where he's at for <laughs> right. this, you know with an injury, so, you know, I just, like I said, I just know he's he's in good spirits, and, you know, he's, continue, he's working out every day, so we're just, just going to continue to see. He also is a
0: funny guy on Twitter, a great follow on Twitter.
2: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> one of the most outgoing person, people you're going to meet, so, you know, he's like I said, he's in great spirits regardless.
0: Let me ask you this now, a lot of different teammates, a lot of losing over these past
2: few seasons for you. Does the losing wear on you a little bit, man? Uh, you know, um, me personally, you know, I, I can never get used to losing. You know, because through high school, college, you know, majority of the games we was winning, and that's one thing I love about this organization, because from the coaching staff all the way down to the last player on the roster, you know, we were so close that we never, you know, we never got used to it. You know, we never came into a game with another loss. i of course, it's a lot of embarrassing nights and a lot of, you know, a lot of losing, but. Me personally, yeah, I can definitely speak for, for the team, and you know, we definitely can everything used to losing. You know, don't get me wrong, losing, losing will definitely hit you hard. But right. we got a good supporting cast and a great, great group of teammates and coaches. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to cope with. So, you know, that's and that's another thing with me why you know I love Philadelphia because I'm here through the terrible, embarrassing times. You know, and I know very soon things are going to switch up and. You know, to be able to be here when Wells Fargo is sold out and rocking, you know, mm-hmm. it's just going to be like night and day. So I will just continue to look forward to it.
0: Tony, you had surgery to repair your torn ACL in your knee at this point. You had surgery back in February. How is your knee at this point?
2: Oh, My knee's doing great. You know, as they say, ACL like six to eight months return or process, you know. So I'm a little over five months right now. So I'm doing great. Um continue to rehab twice a day, you know, just taking it one day at a time, you know, and just, um, just kind of continue to grow and come back, you know, when I feel ready, you know, and like I said, I feel great, and I feel like, you know, I'm going to be better, you know, than I was, and it's just a process, you know, so i' to continue to work on it. Do you feel
0: like you'll be prepared for the start of the season? I know, you, you know, when it gets better, it gets better, but... Are you shooting for the start? Obviously, you want to play the start. Of the, you want to start the season on the court. But do you expect to be on the court as this, when the season does start?
2: I don't really got no expectations. You know, I want to play. I don't want to miss no games if it's up to me. You know, but at the end of the day, I got to take care of my body and you know a lot of wear and tear. You know, so I'm not gonna say I say, oh yeah, I'm playing first game of the season. But like I said, if, if I'm still invited right and everything is going great, and I feel like you know. I'm back to normal, back better than the course. I'm, I'm play preseason, you know. But right. at the end of the day, I want to make sure I'm all the way, 100. You know, don't want to rush anything. You know, just um, make sure I'm all right, and when the time's right, you know, that's when I'll be back.
0: We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. And, and talk about this rehab process. How difficult has it been for you mentally and physically, not being on the court and and not playing, and having to deal with rehabbing this knee?
2: Um, man. For people who don't know, man, torn ACL rehab is it's hard, especially the first three months. You know, you can't really move your leg, not sleeping at night. It's painful, so it's a process. And you know, um, I just feel like it's it's gonna make me who I am and who I'm gonna continue to be because um, you know, just being able to get get through stuff and fight through things. It's not like it's a a nagging injury this is you know you know like you said not able to play basketball you know seattle where i'm from got the best summer pro-am runs in the country in my eyes so you know it was kind of tough but i know you know so i'm thinking a bigger picture you know it's just gonna make me it just keeps you to humble me and make me more hungry
0: now last season you played 30 games you had some decent numbers 16 points for game five assists you know, you, you were you started the season as the point guard. Michael Carter Williams was hurt. You started off. You started the season as the point guard. You got off to a great start uh, as the point guard of the Philadelphia 76ers. Do you see yourself as the starting point guard and as the starting point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers when you are healthy next season?
2: Oh uh, yes, most definitely. You know, um, that's that's my mindset going in, and that's my mindset. You know, right now, you know, be be a leader and. You know, so I'm talking to the guys now, and you know, I just want to lead, lead the guys, lead, lead the guys, and you know, to better basketball and to winning. You know, and like I said, is nothing's given. You know, by the end of the day, I feel like uh, that's my mindset. You know, definitely, um, whenever I come back, whenever I size before the season, right before the season, during the season, you know, I'm gonna continue to work and work, work and get, you know, whatever I need to get to. And like I said, you know, I'm just trying to come in and be a leader.
0: Now, in terms of you being the point guard and playing the point guard position, what do you feel like you need to to improve on to be, uh, you know, one of the better point guards in this league?
2: Oh you know, just you know, continue to work on decision making. You know, when it's not like it's not like you can that's something you know you continue to work on. But you work on that, you know, watching film and and you know, continue to work on with your coaches. You know, and being more vocal as a leader. You know, you know, because majority of my life I was just being a leader. You know by my actions, you know, just not vocally. So, you know, being a pointer, you got to be vocal and, you know, you got to you know, make the right decisions. You like the quarterback on the team. So, you know, every day I'm just trying to better myself in any way to help the team.
0: Now, this is a contract year for you, Tony. I mean, you're a young man, 22 years old. As we've seen, there's a lot of money out there. A lot of people are getting paid. With that being said, what is your mindset going into this contract year?
2: Um, stay healthy. You know, um, can't you can't do anything, you can't prove anything if when you're un, un injured. You know, I just wanna stay healthy and I just wanna, you know, help this team in the better games and the better basketball and, you know, winning. You know, I feel like when you win and you know, everybody's happy, you know, and everything and everything else take care of itself, you know, so uh, it's a very long seasons when you lose and lose and lose, you know. So I just want to continue to grow and continue to you know, to help my guys win the win ball games and everything else from there take care of itself. Now, you, like
0: you said, you, you talked about, you know, long season when you're doing a lot of losing. Is there times when you're like, you know, obviously Sam Hinky has a plan for his organization. Are there times, you said, do you do you question the plan at times?
2: No, nah, never. Because that's, we, we got our own jobs, you know. I don't question something a GM is doing or, you know, our owner is doing. I just worry about on the court, you know. Okay. At the end of the day, I'm just, just just trying to trust the process. And I knew coming in when I first came here, you know, we wasn't gonna win right away. But you know, I did. You know, talking to Coach Brown, you know, just just having trust in, in our guy, trusting the team, trusting the organization, and I feel like everything else is, you know, was just gonna come together on its own.
0: Talk about Coach Brown. Obviously, obviously, he's been through the losing uh, as well as you have over the past couple of seasons. But you get the sense he's a very good coach. Talk about playing for Coach Brett Brown.
2: Oh man, he's a players' coach for real, man. Um, it's a great. He's a great guy, man. And he's one of them guys you just want to run through a wall for him. You know, a players' coaching. We try. We trying every night to you know win games for him because you know it's more than just basketball with him. You know he. he he takes you in and, you know, always going to dinner. And once you, once you have relations like that, you know, that's when guys go to bat for you. And You know, he's a hard-nosed coach, but like I said, he came from the Spurs. He got rings, multiple. Right. So anything he got to say, I'm going to sit down and listen regardless, even if I don't want to <laughs> hear because you know, He's been there, done that, and he knows what he's doing.
0: We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers guard Tony Roten. And, and Tony, new season, new jerseys. And a new number for Tony Roden. What number are you going to wear in 2015?
2: Oh, uh, you know, I just decided to change my number and wear number one.
0: Okay. Is there any reason for for number one? Is there a reason behind it?
2: Um, uh, you know, that's that's been you know my number when I got drafted in Memphis. I was number one, but you know, obviously oh. when I got here, you know, Mike had it, you know. So, and when I when I heard it was available. You know, I you know I decided to change to it, and you know just a number.
0: You like the new jerseys?
2: Yeah, I like them. You know, I've been back to old school look a little bit, especially with the stars like when Dr. J plays. So, and I'm, I'm big on fashion and looking good, playing good. So, you know, I was really looking forward to the unveiling um, of the jerseys. So, I like them a lot. Okay, all
0: right, they are nice. I do like them myself as well. We're talking the Sixers guard. Tony Roten Tony, you got your third annual Tony Roten Skills Camp coming up in August. Tell us about it.
2: Oh man, it's gonna be lots of fun and excitement, you know, um August sixth through eighth, you know, we've got the kindergarten up to eighth grade, you know, it's gonna be a lot of fun, a lot of learning, a lot of prizes. You know, we love to have fun and you know, it's third annual just gonna team to grow, you know, and being able to have my camp in the city I've grown up in, a neighborhood I grew up in my old high school, Garfield High School in Seattle, you know, just a blessing, you know. So I was once the little kid who looked up to the NBA players. So once I'm able to give back, it's just like, you know, a dream come true. And, you know, with the high school division, we got guys come from all across the country to play. It's, you know, invitation only. So we're just trying to continue to grow, man. It's going to be lots of fun. And,
0: and fans, August 6th through the 8th, Make sure you go out and support it. If you're out in the Seattle, Washington area, make sure you go to TonyRotenCamp.com and support all the great things going on with Tony Roten and his skills academy. There's been a lot of ballers who've come out of Seattle over the years. Who's your favorite? Who's been your favorite baller uh, from
2: Seattle? Uh, Jamal Crawford. Okay. He was like a mentor to me when I was growing up and still is a mentor, so. And it's just more than basketball with him, you know. And He helped me grow and he helped me become, you know, an NBA player. And You know, and we know what he can do on the court. So, you know, definitely Jamal Crawford, you know, my favorite player from Washington. Okay. Jamal Crawford, I
0: mean, that's not a bad player. I mean, he's a guy obviously could stroke to Jay, uh, silky smooth, definitely a guy who could put the ball in the basket, like yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, fans, make sure you go to TonyRotenCamp.com. Also, hit this man up on Twitter at T-Roten underscore L-O-E. Again, support all the great things going on with Tony Roten. Tony, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck in this upcoming season. Nothing but the best of luck with your skills, camp. Let's do this again.
2: Thank you, man. Thank you
0: for having me. Tony Roten, Sixers guard and and Tony Roten again. I'm always a guy who's been intrigued by Tony Roten because of his height, you know, 6'6", his ability to get to the basket. Uh, You know, he's he's athletic. I've always been intrigued by him. And, uh, you know, this year is going to be interesting for a lot of reasons for him. And, and, you know, big reasons a contract year. And contract year, big situation. Big and, and we've seen guys make a boatload of money. There's guys who are making a boatload of money right now. And and so being that guys are making a boatload of money and being that Tony Roden's only 22 years old, if he can go out this season and, and put up some decent numbers, there's an opportunity for him, in my opinion, for him to get paid. may not be with the Sixers but it could be elsewhere. But I'm a fan of his skill set. I'm intrigued by his skill set. Like I said, very intrigued by his skill set. But we'll see, again, if he can stay healthy next season. Coming off that ACL, we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully for him, he can come back from that thing real quick and put up a decent year. And in the process of uh, putting up a decent year, again, putting him in line to make a boatload of money Everybody likes money. We all love it. But, again, make sure you go and support this man. If you're in the Seattle, Washington area, support this man and all the things that he's doing uh, with his skills camp. It's third annual skills camp. It's pretty impressive. So, you know, make sure you, you go there. Support him on Twitter at T. Roten underscore L-O-E. So make sure you go there so you can find information about his skills camp, his skills academy. Also, hit him up on his website, Tony and support it all, all the things, all the great things going on with Tony Roten. And hopefully, again, as a Philadelphia 76ers fan, myself, hopefully he can stay healthy. And I think I want them to lose one more I want more one more tank. I think I want one more tank and then we can we can finally move forward and start winning some basketball games. Second hour go for starting right now.
2: Almeida, AKA Corey live host of picture. on the hub and warm up host for American idol and dancing with the stars. And right now you are listening to go for it on blog
1: talk radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy get it.
0: Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a good man. We're back. Second hour. Of go for it. Starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by one of the stars of Jurassic world. Isaac Keys, he'll be joining us. Joining us, uh, so we're gonna talk to him about Jurassic World. Uh, get his thoughts on, on Jason Pierre-Paul and that whole situation, that fiasco, that situation. You know, Adam Schefter tweeting out a picture, his medical chart that shows that he has, uh, you know, his right was his right, his index finger was amputated wow but we're gonna talk about jason pierre paul in this hour Russell wilson and sierra taking a little page out of janet jackson's book and waiting a little while uh so we're going to talk about that we'll get to that so we, we got a lot of things to hit in this second hour and let's let's go back to jason pierre paul and his situation i mean also, C.J. Wilson of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, these guys, you know, they're out there. And this is fireworks season, 4th of July. Everybody's shooting off fireworks. Everybody having a good old time with that, having fun, laughing, you know, joining the fireworks, doing a little barbecue, celebrating the 4th of July holiday. But you look at it. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul now, a guy who was looking – for a new deal with the New York Giants. Um, You know, obviously he had that franchise tag that he could sign for about $14 million, for $14 million. So he he had that sitting in front of him. And obviously you're in a position now where where you're in a position to get paid and obviously, no one expected, or no one expects to, to get their finger amputated or, or suffer any type of injuries to your hand or any part of their body when they're dealing with fireworks. But when you have a bunch of money out there waiting for you, when you have your franchise tender out there, for million, you know, when your fingers, your arms, are a big part of what you do and, and help you make is your moneymaker. You got to be careful. And here's the thing. You have, you, you have a bunch of money. And, and and with having a bunch of money, we'll get to Craig Hardy as well in this hour. But when you have a bunch of money, you have an opportunity to go see any fireworks anywhere. You can fly to California. Go drive if you're out in the New York area and, and go see some fireworks out there. You can go anywhere you want. You have money. Why are you messing with fireworks? And, and my question is, what kind of fireworks are you messing with? You messing with bombs? Are you lighting setting off bombs? M3, M16 missiles? I mean, what are you setting off? What are you setting off? <laughs> but obviously he, he decided and felt that it was best, uh, based off the medical information, I guess, that he received, it was best that he, he amputate the right index finger. And, you know, I never played football before. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I mess around with my finger right now, and and, and trying to figure out what it's like to have three fingers and a thumb. I, you know, I guess you could still pull on things and move some things. Um, I, I guess you could still do something with it. I guess you can still work with it. But the, I would think again. I'm going to ask Isaac Keys when he comes on. He played football. But I, I never played football, obviously, on the NFL level. I don't know what it – I would think if you don't have a right index finger, that – you know, your pointing finger, I, I would think that would put you at a dis- disadvantage. I don't know. We also hurt his thumb in the midst of all that, too. Hurt his thumb. But a report – sorry, it's going to – He's gonna be right to with the Giants. I guess he's gonna take that franchise deal unless they come up with some kind of other deal. But apparently, again, you know, his thumb is injured, and that's gonna take yes, he had a fractured hand. You know, <laughs> you know, fractured hand, also a thumb issue, a finger amputation. What the heck was he shooting off? What the heck was this dude shooting off? My goodness. I mean, I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out what the heck was he shooting off? What are you doing? What kind of stuff are you messing with? You, you must have got those special fireworks that, you know, that, I don't know. Apparently, he had the finger, which was damaged. He had it amputated because of, you know, possible health complications that that could cause. And also, if he didn't do that, maybe he would not have been able to play this season for the New York Giants. But Jason Pierre-Paul, obviously, Unfortunate situation, of course. There's not only light of the situation, but it doesn't really make much sense. And at the time, the Giants, they set down their trainer, Ronnie Barnes, to him, also a player liaison, and uh, Jesse Armstead, former Giant, sent him down to Florida where he was at. And at that point, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul didn't refuse to see those guys. Giants still haven't spoken to Jason Pierre-Paul. So (laughs) he felt like it just – there was no need to inform him of anything. So, I mean, obviously now Jason Pierre-Paul does have an index finger on his right hand. Again, I guess he's still able to get it done, still able to play, and and still able to be successful. I guess time will be the judge of that. But I guess, you know – and talking about Jason Pierre-Paul and that whole situation. I, and before we go to the to the leak of the, um, the medical records, let's go to CJ Wilson. Uh, another guy who lost two fingers in a fireworks accident. Two fingers. Crazy. I mean, it's just crazy that two football players on – around the same time July 4th shooting off fireworks both were losing fingers CJ Wilson now lost two fingers two fingers apparently the fireworks according to uh CJ Wilson's dad apparently the fireworks didn't pop out of the canister when they exploded. I, I don't mess with fireworks. I, I I don't mess with fireworks at all. I really don't. And <laughs> i don't I don't mess around. and uh, with that being said, this makes me not want to mess around with fireworks even more. Obviously, at the end of the day, the, the accidents that these guys have with fireworks, you, you, it's it's a blessing that they didn't suffer even more seriously or it didn't even cost them. Ultimately, you're, you're happy that it didn't cost them their life. I mean, Wilson lost his middle fingers on one hand when fireworks exploded. He lost his middle fingers on one hand. I mean, I guess you could try try to figure it out how they're going to work around that. Apparently, he's in good spirits according to his dad. Um, So we'll see. Hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, he's alive. And hopefully, he's learned from this situation. Jason Pierre-Paul as well. But, you know, when you're an NFL player, you know, any athlete, and your body is what you use in order for you to be successful, in order for you to, to make your money, if you will. you you got, you got to be wise. you got to be careful. you got to be smart. And playing with fireworks isn't smart, isn't wise, isn't careful. It's, it's none of those things. you got to be smarter than that. And, you know, those guys didn't use their smarts didn't use their brains. And unfortunately for them, there are situations now where they're losing fingers. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day for, for you know, thank God for them that they are alive. Let's go stay in the NFL, Greg Hardy today. Actually, before we get to Greg Hardy, let's go to Adam Schefter. And, you know, a lot of people had issues with Adam Schefter tweeting out ultimately whatever, he, wherever he got that information, he got that information, those medical charts, where he got it from, we don't know where, who he got it from, obviously somebody gave it to him, somebody provided him with the information, and given that information, Adam Schefter tweeted it out, and we're in an age where, who's first? We, we're trying, you know, everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be first. We, you know, we want to be first in a generation out, out there. We want we want to get the big story. That's what we want to do. And so, Adam Shepard, all respect to journalists for ESPN. who gets a lot of. It was connected to the National Football League. He decided to, uh, ultimately to tweet out the records of, of Jay's Paul medical records. He got it, he knows. He knows. but he got it. He tweeted it out. And everybody saw it. Am I just you know how they did? Apparently, it's legal under HIPAA. Allowed to do that under HIPAA. So he tweeted it, he got it, out, and I and I I I think they could have just said, "Look, according to my sources, Pierre Paul had to get his right." Middle finger or you know, had to get an amputation. I, I mean, I thought that was going to be that, and it wasn't. That. You know, he, you know, he was able. To, I, I, you know, medical records to me. You know, I, I wouldn't think you able to do anything like, like that. I wouldn't be able to tweet him out or anything like that. But he got sir. You're, you're Paul point his team. Well, I was think about suing I for tweeting out your record records. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem ethical. It just seemed like you're out to do. That's to me. Just because you're allowed to do it, doesn't mean you should do it. You know, right? That's, you know we, we look at life, a lot of times of life. There are things that we're, we're allowed to do. There's things that are illegal to do. I mean, you see, before we did it out, it, it probably went through the HPN suit, the legal department. And, and made sure they were okay with it. Ultimately, I guess they were okay with it. And ultimately, they got it out there beat it out there and that's how the world found out. that ball had his right finger amputated. And now we'll see we'll see what the fallout's going to be. I know the hospital at this point is investigating how this happened. As because no, a, a unfortunate situation. You know, you're people, you know, go to the hospital and, you, and your medical records to be private. You, you know, you, you don't expect your, your, your medical record to get out to public. Don't expect all. And that's, I mean, I think that. But now, again, the hospital, they're up to an investigation. They're going to try to figure out how this got out there. They want to figure that out. And as they should. But, I, you know, Jason Pierre, Pierre Paul, if I'm, I'm very upset about it. I'm very upset about it. Because this is my medical record. It's just something that go out there unless I give consent. If I don't give consent, then that should get out there. But did, and now everybody knows what happened to the right. Jason P. Paul, fair, fair fair, it's out there. we're back. We're joined by one of the stars of Jurassic World, former NFL star Isaac Keys. You're listening to Go for No Block Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out East, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And The Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that
1: it doesn't, doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. In the playoffs, come, it doesn't mean anything. I, uh, was trying to throw you,
0: know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones, well, we know that, you know, we know that you can marry married women. We've seen, you, you, you have a pedigree. Ah! we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around, you. Yeah, I just don't man. know what you're Come capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. Come <laughs> on now. That's like. all that right. That's not Robbie.
2: That's called butter. All
0: right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Go for it. BlockTalkRadio.com. We're going to be joined by a guy now, you know, one of our favorites here on the show. Uh, You know, this guy, right, uh, at one point was looking for love many moons ago uh, with Omarosa many moons ago. That's how we uh, hooked up with him. But, uh, you know, he's doing big things now in the the, the acting world, with Jurassic World, he's doing that. Uh, So he's doing big things. He played football, so he did big things on the football field as well. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Jurassic World, former NFL star, Isaac Keyes. Uh, (laughs) Isaac. What's
1: going on? What's going on? How are you? Man,
0: I'm doing wonderful,
1: man. I'm enjoying
0: this L.A. sunshine. For sure. Uh, Let's get right down to it. You're doing big (laughs) things in Jurassic World. You play the control room security guard. Tell us about your role.
1: Yeah, well, um, control room security guard, man, I ain't take no mess, man. Whether whether it was from the dinosaurs or whether it was from Chris Pratt or Tony or anybody else, that's that's, that's that's how I saw it. But when you watch the film, it might be a little bit different.
0: (laughs) Well, so, I mean, obviously being on set with, with some of those guys, how was it?
1: Oh man, it was a uh, it was a one, it was one of them sets where you know it's like you just feel welcome. Um, the okay. part when I came on board to start shooting, with, I shot my uh, section of the film was in New Orleans. They had just came from Hawaii and they were going down. They were coming down to the tail end of the of the shoot. So you know, you know, usually around that time everybody's feeling real kind of low and you know just trying to you know pull it all together. But man, the energy level on set and and everything was just great. And I think it had to be just because you know first off because of the cast and the production team, but also because it was just, they knew, we all knew we were part of a, a great film. And I think, you know, now, that really kind of pushed everybody through.
0: Now, how did you, uh, you become a part of this film? How did this work out for you? How did you uh, get down with Jurassic World?
1: Oh, man, I, the, the, the
0: grind way. I
1: uh, basically just got, uh, you know, my, my, my representation submitted me for it, and um, I went in and auditioned for it. I actually, you know, had to go in the room audition for it. And then, for that point, I actually auditioned for it like, like January of 2014. And then we didn't shoot till like July. So, you know, like I kind of knew it was in the books, but I just, you know, couldn't really talk about it, or I couldn't, you know, you know, I just had to wait on it. So I was just always looking for other things to do until it was time. So, um, yeah, man, I auditioned for it and just was lucky enough to get it.
0: So when you found out that you got it, what was your reaction?
1: Man, my reaction, you know you know what, honestly, my reaction, I'm always excited about any, you know, job that I audition for and I get because it's another opportunity and it's like another part of the ladder. But I tell you what, when I got excited, excited was when the red carpet came. Okay. When we did the red carpet and the premiere, the world premiere for the show Is when I got excited because that's when it kind of really all came to fruition, like, okay, this is Jurassic World. And to see everybody else's excitement about it, that's what I about developed. I'm like, wow, these people are really excited about these dinosaurs. You know, I, I've seen all the other people they are really excited about this film, and then to see the box office numbers, huh? <laughs> but the red carpet, man, it, it blew my mind. It was just to be a part of that, to be there, and, you know, access Hollywood, ETV, and being a part of all that. Steven Spielberg being executive producer on it, you know, man, it, it blew my mind. It took me to, to a whole other level.
0: Now, did you get an opportunity to talk to Steven Spielberg?
1: I did not get an opportunity to talk to Steven Spielberg, but I'm still waiting for that opportunity. So, you know, maybe that will come in the, in the near future.
0: For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of Jurassic World, Isaac Keith. And let me ask you this, in, in terms of the audition, I mean, how, how, did you know at that point when you auditioned that you, you knocked it out of the box, that you you, you got it done?
1: <laughs> um, you know, I felt really comfortable in the room, and I think that's what I kind of, you know, I, I work for. You know, we talk about football a lot, and, we, you know, and we just see, what guys do on the field, usually on Sundays, but we don't see the work that goes into it prior to that. Well, it's the same thing with acting. Like, you can have kind of the ability, but it's the craft, man. You have to continue to work on this. That's why acting class is important and being around other actors and just continue to work on the craft. It's like if you don't, you become rusty. And, uh, you know, I was trying to pride myself on trying to take that work ethic from football over to acting and trying to use that. And, you know, so I feel comfortable in the room. I, don't, I can't say that I feel comfortable every time I went to audition room. I've had some, some stumbles and falls, but it's, 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 it's made me better, you know. So, you know, it made me better. So, in the audition room, I feel comfortable, man. I I, did, I really did. And I was just glad to see that I got it, man. You know, that's an unbelievable feeling, man. Because they just call your representation like, hey, yeah, we want to put Isaac on a veil. I see the veil means they just want to see if you're available. That's still doesn't mean you got it. They could be considered somebody else.
0: So you know it's it's a tedious process. It's an emotional roller coaster for sure. So so you were were you on that emotional roller coaster? I mean, were you were you feeling it? Were you you know were you going up and down? And maybe I got it. Maybe I didn't get it. Maybe they'll call me. Maybe they won't. You know, I mean, was that like was it like that for you? Was that rough? Well, I never got off the emotional
1: roller coaster, man. I'm still (laughs) on. In this game, you always on. it. (laughs) You never get off, man. But uh. You just learn how to deal with it. You learn how to throw your hands up, you know, when you go down the hill and you know, go up the hill. So you just you just learn how to deal with it. That's how it works. You know, you never really get off of it because you're always looking for the next gig, next opportunity. And you know, it it's you, you gotta make it fun. You gotta make that's it fun. Right. So that's how you continue to you know,
0: enjoy, you make it fun. Now were you listening to Vivian Green when all this was going on? Say it again? Were you listening to Vivian Green when all this was going on? You know, on that emotional roller coaster? This is the Denny Green, <laughs> Vivian Green. Oh,
1: Vivian Green, yeah. Um, that's actually one of my. I, I like that song a lot. <laughs> I,
0: really, I like that song. I can't say I was listening to, it, but maybe he might have played it in my head a few
1: times. Because
0: the funny thing is, when you brought that up talking about the emotional rollercoaster, that's the first thing that came to my head. That particular yeah. song. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's because you're a r guru, man. You know, <laughs> for okay. sure, for sure. Uh, Let me ask you this now. Uh, obviously, you're, you're doing big things with Jurassic World. You're also doing some work on uh, Criminal Minds. Talk about that. Oh, well, man, um, you know, Criminal Minds, We, we I shot that uh,
1: like in January. It was like one of the first things I put at to the top of the year. And I was, you know, so elated by it because, I mean, Criminal Minds, man, that's 10 years. They've been on the air for 10, like 10 years. And, you know, I, I got in a role and, you know, they had me come in as the inmate. Uh, but it was like, you know, it was kind of, you know, the lead for that episode in a sense. So, um, it was just, like, you're talking about going on a, a team of people that's just been working together for so long that it's kind of like they're just a big family. And, you know, for them to allow you to come in and treat you the same way, uh, Thomas Gibson, who's one of the actors who also directed that scene, and uh, the writer, uh, Virgil, Virgil Williams, who wrote that episode, um, really just spoke highly of me and spoke to me, to you know, to help me give that kind of motivation to kind of keep pushing on and just, you know, just up and down, like we said, a rollercoaster type of career. So, uh, but Criminal Minds, man, it's 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 one of them shows that's been around for a while, and they have a fan base, and they are strong. And I get a lot of love, and I appreciate all the love that people have got me
0: just off being on for one episode. We're talking to one of the stars of Jurassic World, former NFL player Isaac Keyson. You know, let me ask you this now, and I, w- I want to switch to football, and I want to ask you just one quick question in terms of Jason Pierre-Paul. We know the situation on his right hand; he, he's his right hand he injured uh, messing with fireworks. Right index finger has been amputated. Can you play football with with a, uh, an amputated finger, especially your index finger? You know, I mean, can, can you get around it?
1: Um, you know what? As I heard about it, I actually got down in the three point stance using my middle finger and my thumb and just turned my hand sideways. Um, because a lot of times when you get into a stance, a three point stance, you'll do it more of a sprinter stance. So you'll have your thumb, you have you turn your you turn your hand outwards. So you have your thumb and you put a lot of pressure on your index finger, your middle finger, but Honestly, I could be in that stand and still use just my middle finger not my index finger. So it's going to work, but I think where the trouble comes along is him getting used to it. Him getting used to not having his index finger, which is going to take time. I mean, you spend your whole life, you know, having all your digits, all 10 of right. them on your hands. So now all of a sudden this is disappearing. So the therapy and the mental part, physical and the mental parts, was going to come into play and get used to it. But, I mean, he's going to be forced to a situation where he has to get used to it fast. Unfortunately, you know, with this, you know, the accident happening, then right here when he's in the contract talks, it, it, it's unfortunate. But he's has now going to where the Chip shows said I have to prove to them that you know this is not a setback that I'm still the player that they should you know sign to another contract and pay. Um, but you know, business wise, that gives them a reason, and you know, you just always try not to give them a reason not right. to do what you need them to do. So you uh, feel like he
0: can still he could make that he could still make it work. He can make it work,
1: man. I mean he still has the even if he has to get into a a left hand I mean it's on the right hand, right? He doesn't get to a left hand stand. He can still get a left hand stand. He should be epidestrian enough to be in the stand at this point in his career to be able to get in both hand stands um, and get down. And I think he yeah. I think he I think he'll come from I think
0: it's gonna be a lot of just trying to get used to it. Now what part of the hand would be like non negotiable? Would it be the thumb? Like if you lost the thumb, would would you not be able to you can't get around the thumb. thumb.
1: Yeah, the thumb is what's going to, it's going to give you problems. That's going to give you problems right. because that comes with the grab and, and everything else. You know, you, you're tackling, getting guys off of you, things like that. But I still wouldn't say that's impossible because, I mean, right now he plays with his hand in the dirt, so he's in the stance. But if right. they lead him that way, then he just had to convert to being in a two-point stance and coming out the line like in the 3-4 type of technique, like a Terrell Suggs or sometimes does okay. or, you know, or upshot. So, you know, it's just it's just kind of, you know, it's wheel of the way. And being a talented <laughs> as he is, you know, a pastor and a that, you know, you have to find a way. You got to eat.
0: So you got to find gotta a eat. way to eat. So.
1: You
0: got uh, eat. I mean, it's just the therapist. Um, you know, my wife was a fan of that. What happened?
1: Um, the therapist, I think it's just kind of like, you know, it reached that point where, you know, we still were kind of talking like, hey, you know, should we bring it back or what, you know, what what should we do with it? Um, and it's just kind of at that, that that point, you know, where it's like, we're still trying to figure out if we want to bring that one out. Uh, Gino, the director, Gino Brooks, uh, has went on to do some other projects that I've even kind of made and guest started appearances in and stuff like that web series, so he's continuing to press the envelope for his, for his creative ideas, um, but the therapist is always going to be our baby, because that's our initial web series that we started, and, uh, you know, we feel like we, I honestly feel like that's the one that still has a lot of content that we have not um, revealed yet, so you know, it's still one of the things that can, it can still be pulled out. It's just that we haven't done it just yet.
0: And I'm seeing here you have the sickle coming out
1: in 2015. The sickle is um, um, one of the, you know those the, you know when you do with some of these films, you, you're not you do your part, but then you need the other people to do their part too. And with the sickle, I'm not sure what on the production side, what they're deciding to do with that um, right now. So, you know, that's kind of been in hiatus for a little while. Uh, I believe it was a, you know, a good project, an indie project. But, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do. The one I am really excited about is Emergency Contact. Um, okay. That's an indie project that we just, uh, we did a little private screening here in L.A., but then we did one in New Orleans during Ethics Festival, and I wasn't able to make it, but the feedback that I gotten from it was, you know, was phenomenal. I think people really enjoyed it, and what I loved about it, I played a character named Vince Cotton, and, um He's a love interest of the lead, who is Gugu, who is um, actually is on the Mary Mary um, Mary Mary uh, reality show. She's sisters. She's a sister of one of the girls on there. I think Tina, I am Okay. I'm not sure. But so she plays the lead. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, I the lead. I think. <laughs> you right, and I play the love interest, and I get the, you know, I get to have a little comedy. I, mean, I don't think how many people have seen me in a comedic type of role, which I love to do. So, I, I'm able to play that in this one, and uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about where, it's, where you know, we're going to go, so we're going to look at more festivals and then hopefully, you know, distribution and things of that nature, but I'll definitely keep you posted and everybody else that listen. For sure. Black so Boots, are
0: you you still doing stuff with that?
1: that? Which one?
0: Black Boots? Uh, yeah, that's also, that's also one of Gino's projects, and, you know, okay. Gino's projects.
1: So, uh, yeah, I made a uh, couple appearances in that and you know i enjoy doing that so yeah i mean that that's something that can be kind of probably continue to move on
0: as well too now what about turning tables i see you're in pre-production with that as well
1: yeah turning tables is a project that we're still just you know working on on getting stuff done on the production side but hopefully you know it comes out hopefully it comes out man but i'm i'm really just excited about things that you know still trying to come up in 2015 uh, right now, in the industry, things kind of slow down a little bit right now, but then they pick right back up again this part of July coming up in August. So, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm just excited about
0: the future. Where are you at as an actor at this point?
1: Um, I would like to say consider myself a working actor, meaning that okay. you know, a lot of times we come into this business, people say, "Oh, I'm an actor," but you know, if somebody who's been in the business well, you're a working actor, they try to get technical about it. And, you know, I guess with the terms that they kind of qualify it as as a working actor, meaning that you can make a living off of being an actor. And what I've learned is that off your acting, you just want to continue to build your resume. And you want to find the love in it so it's not a job, so you're not feeling like you're not, you know, you're going there every day and you're not enjoying it because it's a very fickle business. And, you know, you just got to find ways to enjoy it find ways to find excitement in it and, and just continue to you know to push on it. So I feel I'm you know, I'm a working actor
0: and I'm just excited about team to do more stuff. What do you like more? Did you like playing football more or did you or do you like being a working actor more?
1: At this point in my life, um, and it's still making me say, um, is that acting? And it's still, you know, still kind of wavy right there because football, like I've always said, I've never felt like i got the culture that I wanted out of, in a sense. And I still have dreams about it. I still, you know, have to be involved with it. I still coach and train kids in football just because Mm -hmm. I have to scratch the itch and just to kind of, you know, make sure that I'm still a part of the game that, you know, I I, I love. Uh, So at this point, I can say that because I'm still getting the best of both worlds that I call I'm able to act, but still... Be involved in the game of football, you know, whether it's talking to you about sports or right. coaching these kids and trying to help them understand the game and be the best football player that they can be.
0: Was there ever any? I, I know ultimately, you, like you said, you didn't get the closure that you wanted in football. Was there ever a, a moment where you said, you know what, let me let me train? Let me try this one more time. Let me see if I can give this one more shot. Let me see if I can get one more tryout. Let me see if I can get one more opportunity. When did you get over that uh, part?
1: Um, there was a time after the, the, the after I left the CFL. I left the CFL. I did '07 07, part '07, 07, and then I did part of '08. After that, I started uh, training. Like I started, I came back when I was finished doing that. It's like okay, close you on football. I started back and I was training uh, at a place called Proactive Sports and Performance. And what I was doing is I was training high school kids and I was also training some NFL players. Uh, I got a call from an ex-coach of mine uh, from the Cardinals, and he said, hey, um, there's a new league starting up called the UFL. And, you know, I'm with a team, and I would love for you to come try out. We have a trial in Phoenix, Arizona. I'd love for you to come try out. And uh, I said, uh, I thought about it. I knew some guys were and I thought I was in great shape. I actually felt like I was a better player. Then that I was in because I was coaching people, so the outlook of the game had changed for me. The technical part of it had become greater to me. So, okay. um, I went and did a trial, and I actually had felt as though I had an amazing trial. Even people that were watching were like, "Wow, I stood out out there," and they didn't pick me up. They didn't sign me. As the coach said, "No, don't worry about you know, I got you." They didn't sign me, and. I could have worked out for another UFL team because at the time, Denny Green was with the Sacramento team, but this guy was under Danny Green was with another team, and he was like, hey, don't worry about Denny Green's team. You know how that you know, worked out before. Come here. So I did it and had a great workout, and they didn't sign me. I said, you know what? To me, that's just a sign to say, you know Let's go ahead and just let's keep, you know, let's not water that seed anymore. Let's water another one. Okay. So, that's why I showed the
0: acting part we're talking to one of the stars of Jurassic World and former NFL former NFL player, excuse me, Isaac Keys. Now, Isaac, you know, five years ago, uh, around this time, um, there was a show on TV One, uh, you know, where where you and a few other guys were were trying to to get the attention of Omarosa. I mean, I'm
1: gonna stop you one second because I know you can explode it, but I just had to recognize this is the favorite part. It's like there's always. <laughs> as the you want to get to in the show with me. So I'm sorry, but continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How's your love life at this point?
1: <laughs> My love life is great, man. <laughs> My love life is great. It is, it is, it is, it is wonderful. I have no complaints. <laughs> what,
0: what, does, what does wonderful look like?
1: Uh, wonderful looks like um, finding someone and <laughs> being able to make a transition with them to, for the future. Okay. That's what Wonderful is like. Transitional phase of building something great. I always say that I wanted to find a teammate that I can win, that we can win our own personal championship with. So that's what Wonderful is right now. I'm working on building for a championship.
0: So do you feel like you have that key component, that piece that ultimately will help you win that championship? I do.
1: I do. Okay. I, I feel like I have that key component. And uh, as you watch ESPN and you see all this free agency going on <laughs> in the <laughs> NBA, have everybody trying to get, you know, the, the key components, you know. Yeah, I feel like I'm finding the key component. I got, I, so I got
0: you, it. You you got that franchise. You got that franchise. You yeah, got a franchise.
1: Yeah. I got that franchise.
0: Okay. Well, w- I'm happy that, that franchise. My, my organization is happy with it. Okay. Okay. All right. So, at, at what point, obviously, you're still in talks with this particular uh, person. At what point do you lock this person down, give them a long-term deal, uh, a forever deal, and, and you know, move forward? Um,
1: you know, that's all based off performance. Based, you know, usually, <laughs> you know, it's all you know, you don't get that big deal your first contract. You know, so right now we're in the first contract uh, stages of the career of this person and this, okay. this organization. And um, we're looking, you know, that contract is starting to come up. Uh, so we're looking to try to, uh, you know, how we, the future of the organization. And we want to, you
0: know, looking to try to make this person the future of the organization. That's what we're looking <laughs> right now. Okay. So, that, you know, so right now you're still, you haven't given that long-term deal, still in that rookie <laughs> yeah. contract. You got a season. you Got a season probably to play. Maybe, yeah, maybe
1: after the season.
0: Okay, so you figure every season, you're talking long-term deal.
1: Yeah, we're talking. Since we're talking basketball, we're talking like you know, summer league. You know, then you got (laughs) then you got the NBA season, playoffs. You know, (laughs) playoffs, championship. So yeah, that type of season. Okay.
0: Is is this particular person an industry person? Is she uh, uh, you know a regular girl? Is she civilian? I call him a civilian. She's a civilian. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) <laughs> so you got you got yourself a civilian, which is good. Yeah, myself a civilian. Okay. So I mean, you're 37 years old. You have any kids? No, no kids, man. Okay, 37 no years old. I mean, well, at this at this point, obviously, you you want to win that championship, and you're 37 years old. You're getting a little older now. And ultimately, you want to strike oh, sooner than later. I'm, I'm, um,
1: I'm the GM. I'm not hey, I'm the GM's organization. I can get I can get old if I need to, and still have a, a good organization.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you looking uh, within that organization? Are you looking to to create uh, you know offspring within all that?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, man. I'm, I'm a family person. I love okay. I love family, and I love I love kids, man. And uh, I actually wanted, you know, congratulate my sister. You know, I don't know if she's listening or not, but she's here. But my sister, she's just announced that she's pregnant. So I will be an uncle okay. in 2016, and I'm very happy about that. It's going to be my parents' first grandchild.
0: That's cool. Uh, so That's cool. It's, it's a big, big change for the family, a big change for the good. And, um, for sure. About that. Yeah, so. for sure. And, I, and then we can't wait till 2016, maybe 20, 2017, where where you start, uh, uh, you know, banging a few things out.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate
0: that, Paul. I, I always love coming on the show,
1: and I loved your terminology of things, a few things out. That was that was pretty good. Um, yeah.
0: Let me ask you a question. I mean, that show obviously, you know, uh, what what did it do for your acting career? Um, the show, and I think you give
1: a reference too back to the Ultimate Merger. Uh, and it's funny; I still have people sometimes like, "What do I know you from? Where do I know." Like I'm not sure, you know, it's like and I'd be thinking like something like now, like something recent, it's Like, oh the Omarosa show. I knew you were on the Amorosa I knew it. You were on the, Omarosa. It. Were on the Omarosa show. And so it's always still funny, you know, to hear that. But um it's, it's you know, it's flattering. And, and and what it did was help uh give me a platform. I took the helmet off and allowed people to see me for who I am. Right. And uh, you know, personality wise and you know, whether they liked me or didn't like, you know, like me or didn't like me, it was still allowed them to see me, and and they would develop some type of relationship, I guess you could say, with me as a For person, sure. and um, that kind of trans, uh, just kind of, you know, moved on over to the acting realm, and it just kind of allowed me to be used to being more in front of cameras and things of that nature, and, and just kind of understand this industry a little bit more. It was a stepping stone.
0: Now, do you keep in touch with any of those boys on the show?
1: Uh yeah, I actually do. I mean, uh, myself and Al are still uh, friends. Still keep in touch with him. And um, uh, who else? Uh, yeah, Lyle. Every once in a while, I'm in the D.C. area, I see him. And um, uh, Ray Laverne. Oh, I always still talk to Ray. Yeah. Okay. So we, we still have a yeah. We still we kind of create a little bond on this show too, between a few of us. So. Yeah, Let me, me ask you.
0: are you, are you are you on? Uh, um, I was I lost my train of thought. But uh, <laughs> have you kept in touch with Omarosa at all?
1: Um, I have not. Uh, shortly after the show, we still we'll talk. But, I mean, you know, no more than, you know, we haven't talked on the phone or anything of that nature. But I, I see she's doing well, and I'm happy for
0: her. Now, out of all the guys, have are you the one that had – who who's had the most success? And that's all relative in some respect. But who's the most popular, you, you feel like, from the show?
1: Well, I think Al's always going to be the most popular. I mean, Al, was, okay. you know, created a, a genre of music uh, that is, you know, that is you know, just going to translate over the period of time, over the course of time. So I think Al's always going to be He's still doing shows and still has a, a, a large fan base. But, um, you know, and I don't judge it all for that. You know, I just want to continue to do my thing and, you know, and wish the best for everybody so we can all continue to, you know, have a great success.
0: Right. For sure, and and you're doing your thing. You did your thing on the football field. May not have ended the way you wanted to, but you you know anybody, as far as I'm concerned, if you could make it to the NFL, you are successful. You're doing your thing in Hollywood. If you can get yourself in a movie, as far as I'm concerned, a a Jurassic World, that means you have a level of success. So you're doing your thing, big things out there in Hollywood. So I I think we covered everything. What what else is going on with you? What was you got any other logs in the fire? Uh No.
1: I got a few, I got a couple of law skills to fire. Some of them I can't talk about right now. They have this big NDA um, non-disclosure agreements on there that you have to sign. So that's But, you know, just continue to, to, you know, I would say tell people to continue to follow me, and I like to follow them back. And I don't call people, you know, fans and followers. I call them supporters. So, you know, you can always support uh, what I'm doing and so I can support what you're doing on Instagram, Facebook, all this things. Everything is Isaac Keys. I'm not hard to find.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you one more question before we get out of here. Russell Wilson, Sierra, you know they're doing the abstinence thing. Could you do that? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I've learned over time, man. You never know what you can do.
1: You just gotta, you just gotta try. It. So I'm not gonna say I would. You know I can't do it. Um, you know he said the spirit moved him in a way that he felt like though. You know he had he had to go with it. I right. think he said that. He felt God to speak to him. And, right. Um, and he wanted to make that transition. I mean, you can't argue with him man. that. I, I admire his gumption and his fortitude to be able to at least try to do it. But I know right. one thing. He, he better, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know Russell well, Wilson, man. You know, I hope, she, I hope she's very intuitive and down with it, and she supports what he's trying to do. Because for sure. yeah, you don't need to watch any of her videos uh, that she <laughs> – he don't need to, you know, he probably yeah, probably need to go on vacation for a while. He need to go to training camp right now. That's what he needs to do. He needs to go to training <laughs> camp right now and he needs to just stay there.
0: And one more thing before we get out of here. Um, you know, first year of Ultimate Roger was Omarosa. the second year was Takara. Do you feel like you were a year too late? <laughs>
1: uh, no, man, I feel like I was a pioneer. We're going to, uh, <laughs> okay. So was going off like a fine I started something that was, you know, you know, it didn't last it was short lived, but it was something special. And I was part of the the, the first it's the initial the initial point. So uh no, I don't. I'm okay. okay. I do. But I mean that's what that's why and that's what, you know, everybody has got a good opinion. That's nothing wrong with that.
0: So fans, make sure you support all the great things this man is doing. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at Isaac Keys. He's Isaac Keys everywhere, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything, everywhere, support all the great things going on with Isaac Keys. Isaac, as always, man, it's a pleasure talking to you.
1: Wish hey, you nothing was- but
0: the best of luck moving forward. Can't wait to do it again.
1: Thank you, man, and I appreciate that. And keep doing what you're doing, man. You are knocking it out the park, and I love coming on the show. So keep doing what you're doing, and I look forward to talking to
0: you next time. For sure, appreciate it. Take care. All right, bro. Well, take care now. Isaac Keys, former NFL player, also one of the stars of Jurassic World, which is in theaters now. Make sure you check him out. Support all the great things going on with Isaac Keys. I want to get to Greg Hardy now. Greg Hardy, uh, he has been uh, initially he was suspended for ten games, and after the arbitrator got a hold of it, and I, I had a feeling it was going to be. Obviously, uh, I had a feeling it was going to be—it uh, was going to go in his favor, because the reality is, um, with the whole situation with Greg Hardy, when this all went down, this all went down, and I think also what helps Greg Hardy is the situation where the female ultimately didn't cooperate, and there was talk that there was uh, some kind of uh, settlement, and you know she received some kind of money, but she didn't show up, and, and she didn't cooperate with the D.A. in uh, North Carolina there. So, you know, ultimately the charges were dismissed. He moved on he moved on with his life. She moved on with her life. She may have made a little money from it as well. But anyway, you look at the situation, and, you know, people can, can be up in arms and, and angry and upset, and they have a right to do that. But here here's also the reality of the situation. You look at the situation with, with, with Craig Hardy and, and what went down, um, obviously – it was hard, you know, you just read the reports, you know, it it was not a good situation. But at the end of the day, and, and you know, what helps Greg Hardy, you know, we see that kid in Florida State, uh, you know, punched that female, but there's video of it. We see Ray Rice who did what he did to his former fiance now wife. We saw the video. And, you know, when you see video evidence, it it makes it all the more real. And, And, you know, Not to say it's not real, you know, and not to say it wasn't as bad. I mean, both of those situations are bad, you know, and you can maybe argue that Greg Hardy's situation may be a little worse, but it was, there was no video and the video, video evidence, it, it changes things. It changes things. I mean, there are many people who've been brutalized by police, you know, police brutality, but you don't see it on video. But when you saw Rodney King, it made it all real for you, right? And here's the thing. I'm, I, I'm not one of these guys who, who believe that, I mean, the NFL, big corporations, big businesses, they don't really care about social issues. And reality is they care about social issues when they have to care about social issues, and they care about those social issues when it affects their bottom line. And the bottom line was affected with the NFL when, when Hardy when Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson when all those situations were going down sponsors were talking about pulling out. And and when you got sponsorships and sponsors talking about pulling out, that changes things. That's a game changer. And so a game changing situation like that, you know, obviously if you're the NFL and your bottom line, your money is getting affected Well, obviously, you had to make a decision at that point. Obviously, you had to figure out what you're going to do. Obviously, you got to say and and take action. And and in all those situations, they took action. But at the end of the day, you know, all the players in each of those situations, maybe Greg Hardy didn't play last season. That sucks for him. But he was also still able to get paid. Adrian Peterson, he didn't get, he didn't play, but he was also able to get paid, and also ultimately was reinstated. Ray Rice, well, he won his lawsuit against the NFL, and it worked out for him as well. While, you know, the, the, he won he he got ultimately got what he wanted to get back. And so my point is, you know, the, I, I, obviously I think the NFL threw the suspension out there of ten games, knowing that it was going to get reduced. Aim high and ultimately it gets lowered, but, you know, 10, I mean, 4, obviously it's not 10, but 4 is better than 2. And, you know, you can complain, Hem, haul, what have you, but if you really have that much, this much of a problem with Greg Hardy in the NFL, you don't need to be watching on Sundays, and Mondays, and Thursdays, and sometimes Saturdays. If you have much, this much of a problem with the National Football League, if you have this much of a problem with Greg Hardy, you should not watch one single Dallas Cowboys football game this season. If you have a problem with Floyd Mayweather, you should never buy his fight. But four million, four, about four million people bought the pay-per-view, paid 100 bucks, a fight that generated $600 million. Somebody had to support it, and who supported it were a lot of people that, that were coming out against Floyd Mayweather. I'm not defending Floyd Mayweather. You know, the things that he did to women are wrong. The things that Craig Hardy may have done to this female, allegedly have done to this female, wrong. The video that we saw with Ray Rice, him hitting his, his fiance now wife, wrong. All those are wrong. And everybody was hemming and hauling. Everybody was tough talking. But you came back on Sunday, and you watched it on Monday, and you're still watching it on Thursday. You're going to watch Greg Hardy. If you're a Cowboys fan and you're against domestic violence, well, everybody should be against domestic violence. We all should and we all are, most of us. But if you have a big problem with, with what the league did here, what happened, the league didn't do it. The arbitrator made the decision. It is what it is. The league knew that he wasn't going to get 10 games, but they did it. Good PR. league is taking a stand. Everybody's excited happy. And you think and thought, you know, the NBA has got this lean-in campaign. You know, you're, you're – Whoever you are out there that believes that big business and, and, and the NFL, actually, and NBA, any of these sports leagues they actually care about domestic violence, you've got to be some kind of stupid dummy to believe that these leagues actually care about these social issues. They don't care. They're not in business to care. They're in the business to entertain you. You're in the business to pay for your entertainment. I'm not saying what these guys did is acceptable, because it's not. But I'm not one of these guys who's going to jump on a high horse and, you know, say, I'm not going to watch this, that, or what have you. Uh, no matter who Craig Hardy plays, Andrew Peterson, Ray Rice, all those guys. I'm going to be watching every Sunday. I'm going to be watching every Monday. And I'm going to be watching every Thursday. I'm going to be buying NFL merchandise. I might play fantasy football. I might do a suicide poll. I'm going to still do things in association with the NFL. Sundays is a part of my day is going to be set aside watching the National Football League, watching Ray Rice, if he ever gets signed again, if he ever gets another opportunity, watching Craig Hardy after his four-game suspension, watching Adrian Peterson. I'm going to watch every those, each and every one of those guys. I'm not, here. I'm not here to judge you. This is your life, your decisions. While it's not right, it's not my job to judge you. My job, uh, uh, and I, I'm just going to watch you, watch you play. Your job is to go out to entertain the masses. I'm going to go out and enjoy that entertainment and be entertained by the masses. I'm going to be entertained by the masses. You know, I mean, I'm going to be entertained by by those guys. I I, I go out and, and watch football to be entertained. I I go out to and watch football to to yeah, as a diversion, to enjoy sports. I enjoy sports. I enjoy football. I enjoy the NBA. I enjoy boxing, baseball. I'm not. I, I'm going to continue to buy each and every one of Floyd Mayweather's fights. I only with his lifestyle, but it's his lifestyle. It's what he chose to do. It's not right. It's not acceptable, but it's his life. Greg Hardy. It's not right. It's not acceptable, but it's his life. So I'm not going to be one of these guys that's gonna get on the on the on the you know on the hill and and just start complaining and, and you know, and 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 you know, demonizing these guys and 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 you know, coming out against these guys. What they did is not right. But I'm here to just watch football. I'm one of these guys who's able to separate entertainment from the person. I don't, I quite frankly, I don't really care who you are as a person. I hope you're a good person. And if you're a good person, I'll, you know, continue to be a good person. If you're a bad person, try to be a good person. Work hard to be a good person if you're a bad person but just try just try and so with that being said you may agree disagree be up in arms angry but reality is at the time when 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 he was suspended and that situation went down you look at the situation with ray rice you know the two games he essentially was suspended with double Ray Wright. So it's, if you look at past practices at the time, it's about right. And, it, you know, domestic violence has been going on in the NFL and, and the world and society forever. So, you know, the, the league just came down when video was, when we saw video, just like the Confederate flag. You know, I was taken down after we saw this. After we're we're a reactionary society. We're not. Unfortunately, we're not much of a precautionary society. We react sometimes when it's too late. I want to thank Isaac Keys for stopping by. Hit him up on Twitter at Isaac Keys. Also, I want to thank Tony Roden from Philadelphia 76 for stopping by. You can listen to this show, other great shows, BlogTalkRadio.com/speakin. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtubecom Go for it camp. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.